Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start reading with verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Look at your neighbor and ask him this question. When's the last time you walked on water? Now you might you might say, well, I saw this snake while I was fishing, and I walked on water then, but not really, okay? You might have felt like that, but not really. But I do want to talk to you this morning on this subject, that God wants you to be a water walker. And I'm going to explain that to you in a few minutes now. You're going to have to bear with me because I'm used to holding a mic in my hand. I mean, you know, change is good sometimes. So I'm not, I'm not used to having both hands free. So if I throw something out towards you, uh, don't pay it any attention. I'm not mad or anything. I'm just not used to having both hands free. Matthew chapter 14, let's begin reading with verse 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Father, we thank you today for your word. We ask you this morning. Father, as you work through an earthen vessel, as your presence and your spirit 
flows through the channels of an earthy mind, an earthy vessel. I thank you today that the treasure, God will come forth with all of its glory, with all of its beauty. Lord, today, let your word penetrate us. Let your word challenge us today. And Father, we love you. We exalt you today. We give you praise in the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You can take your seat. Thank you so much for standing. Several weeks ago, I was uh, in a time of prayer that God has been dealing with me about uh, some things to, to get away and, and to get by myself and shut out uh, the phone, shut out all the noise around me, and get alone with Him. Uh, sometimes when you're in the middle of a battle, and in the middle of a struggle, uh, the last thing that you need is a lot of noise around you. And so God had been dealing with me about getting in a place where I shut out all the noise and all the distractions. And, and so I had done that, and it was about 2.30 or 3 o'clock that morning that I was praying and I, and I was reading the Word of God, and God spoke to me about this passage of Scripture. And so I opened up to it, and I began to read it, and I began to meditate on it and think on it. And uh, during that process of time, God began to speak to me, and it wasn't along the lines that, that uh, I was used to, because God began to deal with me about walking on the water. And so that's what I want to talk with you for a few minutes this morning about. This story took place uh, on the Sea of Galilee, or Lake Tiberias, or Sea of Tiberias. It's actually a lake that is in Israel. And uh, this lake is, is, uh, is the lowest, as far as sea level goes, Lake Tiberias is the lowest lake below sea level in the world. So when you get in Lake Tiberias, you are in the lowest freshwater lake below sea level in the world. And that was the one thing that God dealt with me about, is that sometimes when he wants to teach us something, he will take us to the lowest place that we could ever imagine, and it's there that he would teach us what he wants us to know. Second thing I want you to notice is that, that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus constrained his disciples to get in the ship. He didn't ask them to get in the ship, but the Bible says that he constrained his disciples. Now, that word constrain means he used a strong sense of encouragement to get his disciples in the boat. There was a need there that Jesus needed for his disciples to get in the boat. It was, it was that word constrain. When you constrain somebody to do something, you compel them to do it. 
Uh, you use uh, strong words. You use forceful words uh, to speak to them, to get them to do it. And so I question, God, why would you use those strong words to get the disciples in the boat? And so I begin to think about it. I begin to remember that Peter was a fisherman. Peter was very familiar with the lake of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee as some call it. He was very familiar with that body of water. And uh, he had fished there many times. He had gone there. He knew where all the good holes were. He knew where all the good, the best fishing was. And so Peter was familiar with that body of water. And so I believe, this is me, but I believe that the reason that Jesus had to constrain his disciples perhaps to get in the boat was the fact that Peter knew this body of water. He was familiar with this area. And Peter also knew that it was getting along evening time. And he knew that that body of water in particular was very susceptible to storms at night. He knew that it was very uh, susceptible to wind coming down off of the mountains and sweeping down into that low place, uh, that lake, and that it would cause massive storms, terrible storms to come. And Peter probably knew that. He was familiar with that. You need to remember that. He was familiar, and, and he was doubting or struggling, I believe, with what Jesus was telling them to do because he was familiar with the area. And no doubt he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, dude, you don't understand. I've been on this lake during storms, and it's not a fun place to be. How many of you have ever been on the water during a storm? I've been on the water during just little thunderstorms that would come up on the river and just little small storms. And uh, uh, for me, it was scary. For my wife, it was a place that she prayed in tongues. And uh, Judy and I got caught in a storm down below Dixieland in one, late one night. And I, I had been gently persuading Judy, baby, it's lightning back there, we need to go. Uh, I'm fishing. Judy, it's lightning back there. I, we need to go now. I am fishing. I'm getting a bite. Leave me alone. Lightning popped. I said, Judy, do whatever you want to. I'm going to the landing. Judy was rolling up her reels, and it began to flood and storm and and we began, uh, when, I, when we got everything together to try to get to the land and you couldn't even tell where you were on the river or you couldn't tell which way the river was running and, and I had to hold the light down uh, to the water so I could tell the direction of the water. And, and I told Judy, I said, Do you hold the spotlight and, and, and we're going to get to the landing. We started off and Judy handed me the spotlight and she said, I can't see. And so I got the spotlight and I was shining around and we were driving and, and I threw the light around and I didn't see my wife. I said, oh my goodness, she's done fall out, falling out of the boat. And I looked down in the bottom of the boat and Judy was on her face in the bottom of the boat praying in tongues. Needless to say, when we go to the river today and I say, babe, it's time to go. Yes, dear. 
But it's a terrible thing. And Peter probably knew that it wasn't a good idea for them to get on the water during that time because Peter, a fisherman, could sense that the weather was going to get bad and it was probably going to be a storm. But Jesus was all-knowing. You see, Jesus will put us in places in our lives that he will allow things to come in our lives that will reveal something that I did not know that was in myself. So the Bible says that they got in the water, in the, in the boat, and, and they started to the other side. And to make a long story short, the storm came. And, and the wind began to blow, and it was a terrible time, and the disciples were afraid, and, and the storm was, was uh, threatening to sink the boat and all of that. But the Bible says that in the middle of the storm, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Now listen, I'm in awe of the fact that Jesus would come to them walking on the water. And, and think about this. Do you know and do you realize this morning that no other time in history, nobody else has ever been recorded in history. It has never been done since this time that anybody walked on water. You say, wow, pastor, I didn't know that. Well, I'm just telling you, nobody else, none of your neighbors, doesn't matter what they were drinking, doesn't matter what they were smoking, they didn't walk on water, all right? It ain't never happened. Jesus supernaturally walked on water, all right? And so the Bible says that he came to them walking on the water. He could have used a boat. And here's the thing that God began to speak to me about. Jesus could have came to them on a boat. He could have came to them just as easily rowing a boat in the middle of the storm, but he didn't do it. He came walking on the water. Why would Jesus come to them walking on the water when probably he had gone past many nice boats that he could have used to get to them? Why did he take uh, the trouble to walk on water? It's because I believe that the, that the message that God wants to get across to you and I was not in the boat. It was not necessarily getting out of the boat. But the message that Jesus is wanting to get across to you and I is about the water and about walking on the water. The Bible says that when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, that he hollered out and he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come to you. That's just like Peter. But he said, Lord, if it's you, if it's really you that's walking on the water, bid me come. And Jesus said, it's me, buddy. Come on. Come on. Come on out here, man. Get out of the boat and come on out here with me. Listen, I, wanna, I want you to see something. No one else but Peter stepped out of the boat that night. Nobody else. There were, there were 12 men in that boat. Peter was the only one that stepped out of the boat. I want to tell you something. God blesses those who step out of the boat. And, and I'm, not, I'm not going against that. God blesses when we step out of, of, out of our comfort zone, out of our place of security, and we step out into that that we have to trust God on. God blesses people that step out of the boat. 
But I want you to notice that there were 12 or 11 of them that chose to stay in the, in the safety of the boat, in the safe confines of the boat. But Peter, he made this bold move and he stepped out and, and that is awesome. And, and I believe this morning that there are many of you here today that you've stepped out of the boat. But perhaps there are those of you here this morning that you are like the other 11. You want to stay in the safe confines of that that is secure to you. Even though your life is in the middle of a storm, you want to stay where you feel secure because your boat is your comfort zone. Your boat is that place where you feel secure. Your boat is that place where you feel like uh, you've got it under control, that you can handle your situation. Even though in the middle of where you are today, you are in a storm and you're in a mess in your life, and God is saying, I want you to get out of the boat. You say, but God, I can't get out of the boat. And listen, there are people, ladies and gentlemen, that, that struggle with addictions, that, that refuse to give it to God because that addiction is all you know, and that is where you're comfortable. Listen, I prayed for people before and anointed them with oil and I put enough oil on people that they would slide up to the altar and slide out the door when I got through praying because they would be so oiled down and they would come back the next time and pray for me about the same thing. And I've come to realize this, that the sickness or the infirmity they had had been with them so long that they had become accustomed to it and it was their security blanket. It was all they knew and so therefore God couldn't break through that. Listen, our, many times it is our struggles and our uh, failures and our uh, insecurities that we try to hold on to when God is saying, I want you to break out of that. When we say, oh, it's because of the way I was raised, God never anywhere said, I can't do anything for you because of the way you were raised. God wants you to break out of that, sir. God wants you to break out of that, ma'am. I know there might have been some bad things that took place in your life, but God said don't let, and I said this last week, don't let your past define your future. Don't let your past define the destiny that God wants for you. I know you might have been abused, but don't let the abuse define your future. I know you might have an addiction, but is that addiction going to define the rest of your life? I know you might have gone through a bad relationship, but are you going to allow that bad relationship to define the fact that you will never have another one because of the bad one you experienced? See, somewhere down the line, we've got to get out of the boat that secures us. We've got to get out of that area that we're comfortable in and realize that the only way that God can do a supernatural work in my life is when I'm willing to step out and say, God, I have nothing else now. You are my hope and you are my peace. So God is warning you to get out of the boat this morning. But I, I want to go a little bit further and I want to talk to the one today that has stepped out of the boat. The one that has said, I'm going to get out of the boat and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Listen, I'm not really shocked that Peter 
would, would say, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Because you can look at Peter's personality all down through Scripture and you can say, I'm not surprised that Peter would say that. I'm not surprised that he would step out of the boat. Can I tell you something this morning? And I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Sometimes God will allow us to do something that will not only reveal his supernatural power to us, but it will also expose a weakness or a vulnerability in our lives. In other words, when Peter stepped out of the boat, Jesus not only revealed his supernatural power over the water and over the wind and the waves uh, to Peter, but God also revealed to Peter a lesson that I don't think Peter really got and really recognized, but I think that Jesus was trying to reveal to Peter a weakness or a, a break in his armor or a vulnerability, a place where Peter was weak at that Jesus was trying to reveal something to Peter. Listen, the Bible says that Peter got out of the boat and he began to walk toward Jesus. And as Peter began to walk toward Jesus, the Bible says that, that he took his eyes off of Christ. He took his eyes off of the one that had bid him to get out of the boat. And the Bible says that he began to sink. He began to go down. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 31, the Bible says that when Peter began to sink, that he called out to Jesus and said, Lord, help me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? And the Bible says, and when they were coming to the ship that the wind ceased. This is what shocks me about this story. And this is what God began to deal with me about the other night, the other morning. That Jesus stretched forth his hand, pulled Peter up, and they went back to the boat. You would think that when Jesus reached and caught Peter and pulled him up out of the water, that he would have slapped him a big high five and said, man, I am so proud of you. Man, I am so proud of you. You got out of the boat and you came and walked on water. Uh, and and uh, it, it shocked me that Jesus didn't do that. But the Bible says that Jesus didn't pull him up. He didn't slap him a high five. He didn't do a chest bump out on the water. He didn't say, I'm going to give you an E for effort, Peter. Because you did something that nobody else will do. You did something that the other 11 would not do. You stepped out. You did something. And if it would have been me, Brother Robert, I would have said, man, I am so proud of you. I am so uh, uh, proud that you would step out of the boat. But Jesus didn't do that. 
The Bible says that when Jesus reached and grabbed Peter, that he made this statement. He wasn't talking to the 11 in the boat, but he was talking right then. In this story, I want you to forget about everybody else in the boat, and I want you to focus on Peter and Jesus because this story left the 11 in the boat and came down to a story of Jesus Christ and Simon Peter. And Jesus looked at Simon Peter and he said, Oh, thou of little faith. Why did you doubt? That's what lets me know that maybe that this story is less about the boat, it is less about the storm, and it is more about the fact that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. Maybe it is more about Peter not walking on the water than it is about anything else. That shocked me when I read that and I began to look at that passage of Scripture. Jesus wasn't totally rebuking Peter. As a matter of fact, in other areas of Matthew and Mark, Luke and John, Jesus used that same statement. And he looked at him and he said, Oh, ye of little faith. And so I began to wonder about what was he talking about when he was talking about, oh, ye of little faith. And I believe that what he was saying was, Peter, you had enough faith to get you out of the boat, but your faith was not mature enough to sustain you in the middle of the storm. The message that I want to get across to you today is that, that you might have enough faith to cause you to do something. It might cause you to do a little bit, but you don't have enough faith that will sustain you in the middle of the storm. Brother Brian mentioned earlier about this week, the story came out of the worship leaders that had renounced their faith and turned their uh, face against God and, and went the other way and said they don't want anything else to do with God. Can I tell you something this morning? I believe that that is just the beginning of some things that we're gonna see in the church because the church has taught people how to get in the boat We've even taught people how to get out of the boat every once in a while, but they're not strong enough to deal with the storm when they get out of the boat. We've taught people how to be boat riders, and we've even taught them every once in a while to get out of the boat. But when it comes to dealing with storms, when it comes to dealing with temptations, they don't know how to react to it. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to say, my God is able to get me through with it. And that is the story that God was teaching Simon Peter, he said, I want you to understand, Simon, I'm proud of you for getting out of the boat, but the boat wasn't the problem. It is you walking on water that I want you to understand. Let me tell you something this morning. The boat was that place of security. The wind was what was stirring the water. The waves were a result of the wind. But it was not the wind that would have destroyed Peter. It was not the wave that would have destroyed Peter. It was the water that would have destroyed Peter. And what Jesus was saying to Peter, you've got to learn how to walk on top of that that can destroy you. You've got to know how to overcome that that will destroy you, Peter.
O thou of little faith. Listen. It is for sure that you will never walk on water until you're willing to get out of the boat. You will never see, listen, we want God to do supernatural things in our lives. We want God to work miracles in our lives. We want God to use us with a gift of healing to be able to pray for others that are sick. Well, how many people have you prayed for to be healed this week? We want God to do supernatural things in our lives. How many times have you stepped out in a place where you had nothing else but the work of God to work in your life? Maybe perhaps this morning we spend so much time saying, God, I can't do that. Or God, that's not possible. When God is saying anything is possible with me, you can do anything, but you got to step out. you got to get out of your place of comfort. It's getting hot up here. Listen. It is quite... I'm quite sure that when you get out of the boat, you will encounter storms. But you see, our culture, church culture, for the most part, has taught us that storms are not good for your health. See, our church culture of 2019 has taught us that if you go through a storm, you must not be doing something right. But I want to tell you something this morning. I beg to differ with that idea. Because just like the boxer, the football player, or whoever, their strength comes from working against resistance. Your strength this morning comes through resistance. If there's a bodybuilder in the house and you've got good muscles like me and your chest is as big as mine, now speaking those things that are not as though they were. You say, come here and look at this. You better be careful because it'll go off on you. You don't get it by drinking a, a Pepsi, eating a honey bun in your recliner. You can dream about it, you can talk about it, you can think about it and all of that, but it will not happen in your life while you're sucking down a Pepsi and eating that honey bun. But where it comes from is when your muscles meet up with resistance that causes them to stretch. It causes the fiber of your muscle to stretch. And resistance is what causes you to build muscle mass. It might be resistance to put a fork down 
and quit eating. It might be resistance to push a plate back and say, I'm not going to eat that, but it will definitely be resistance when you begin to pick up something that is heavier than you're used to and you begin to lift things that you're not used to lifting. And listen, if you want to be strong in your faith, God will put you in a place, Peter, that is at the lowest part of the earth and he will put you in a boat where you have no control and he will get you out of a boat where you lose control and he will cause you to grow in your walk with him. Listen, everything about our life is about how we handle resistance. I got to get on. I'm, I'm running late. Listen, Jesus rebuked Peter and he said, Oh, thou of little faith. He said, Why, why did you doubt? See, I see more and more that this story is, is about Peter and it's about the water and it's about his failure to stay above the water. Listen, there are two things there and I'm going to give them to you real quickly that I think that are lessons for you and I that we can take away from this story. That, that Jesus wants us to understand. The first one is this. Peter stepped out of the boat and he was walking on the water. He was doing what no man has ever done before or since. But something happened. He took his eyes off of Jesus. I call it he lost focus. He lost focus. The Bible says in verse 30 that when he saw the wind, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out to the Lord, save me. When Peter saw the wind, can I tell you again that the wind was not that that was going to destroy Peter. But when he saw the wind, he began to sink because the things around him took his eyes off of Christ. The one who had said, come, Peter lost sight of him. You might want to write this down. What you stare at the longest will be the strongest in your life. What you put your focus on the most will always be the strongest in your life. That's the reason I'm always watching Judy. I saw some of you wives do a quick elbow to your husband. That's the reason all the men right now are staring me down. You're staring me right in the face. And you're saying, I am not going to turn to the left or to the right because I don't want anybody to know that you hit me right there. But what I stare at the longest is going to be the strongest in my life. What I allow to steal my gaze for the longest is going to be the strongest in my life. That could be anything. That could be an addiction. That could mean a relationship. That could mean many things. But what you allow your gaze to be on the longest is what's going to have dominance in your life. 
Peter stared at the wind the longest and lost his place with Christ. And the second one is doubt. Everybody say doubt. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 5, beginning with verse 5, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him uh, ask of God that gives to all men liberally. But notice this. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. The English Standard Version says not doubting. He said, let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he uh, that wavereth or he that doubts is like a wave driven with the wind and tossed. He said, and don't let that man think that he can receive anything because a double-minded man cannot get anything that he needs from God. So that doubt, James said, uh, if you need wisdom, just ask it. God gives it liberally. He will pour it out on you. He will give you more than you ask for. That word liberally simply means he will will heap it on you. He will abundantly give what you ask. He said, but there's one thing about it, that when you ask, you got to believe. And that goes back to Peter. When you get out of the boat, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. you got to stay focused on what you're doing. Listen, our culture today is very destructive. There's so many things that's coming against us as Christians. It is important today, ladies and gentlemen, that you keep your focus on Jesus. He said, but let him ask in faith, not doubting. For he that doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And he said, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That double-minded man is simply a man that has two visions in his mind. In other words, over here I want to serve God and over here I want to do what I want to do. That's the reason we stay in, in a mental, on a mental roller coaster. Because God is saying, if you'll give me all that you are, I can give you all that I am. Can I say that again? God is saying, if you will give me all that you are, all that I am will belong to you. Right now, you're just getting a few crumbs here and there because that is all God is getting. And God is saying, if you will just lay it all down, if you will just understand that I am your healer, I am your restorer, if you'll just understand that I am the one that will bring soundness to your mind, if you will just understand that I am the one that will bring peace in the middle of your turmoil, if you will understand that those anxiety attacks and all that stuff that you struggle with is just because you're giving me crumbs, if you will give me all that you are, I'll take all that stuff and I'll give you a sound mind, I'll give you a mind that will rise above all the other junk in your life. I'll give you a mind that will stay on me. I'll give you strength to make it through the middle of your storm. I'll give you a mind that will say there is no weapon formed against me that will prosper because the battle is not mine, but it belongs to the Lord. 
Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I'm gonna win this thing. Listen, wrong focus. Everybody say goodbye to these ladies that are leaving. Long-winded preacher. Love you guys. Now look at me. Wrong focus will always lead you to doubt what you thought you knew. Wrong focus will get you to doubt the very thing that yesterday you were assured of. Oh my goodness. There's another 15 minutes right there. I'm gonna have to get on it. Listen, when you begin to doubt You lose your victory. Think about this. Now, Peter is standing. On the edge of the boat. Storm, wind, waves. He's standing there on the edge of the boat. Here comes Jesus. Jesus comes walking. Peter says, Lord. If that's really you, bid me come. Jesus said, come. Peter, I ain't gonna jump. (laughs) Peter, listen, listen to this. At that moment, when when Jesus said, Peter, come. At that moment, Jesus held the world in his hands in Peter's eyes. At that moment, When Jesus said, Peter, come on. At that moment, there was nobody, no thing, nothing that was bigger than that man walking on the water. Peter was absolutely, positively sure. Sure. That he was a water walker and that he was who he said he was. That is the reason that Peter made that step because he was absolutely positively assured of who Jesus was but when you lose your focus that that you are absolutely positively assured of just a few moments ago you'll begin to see all the other stuff around you And you'll begin to think about all the stuff, the sound of the wind, the moving that the wind is causing. And that that you were absolute on just a few minutes ago will all of a sudden cause a doubt to come up. And maybe, well, I don't, maybe not. It was going your way a while ago, but you lost your focus. And when you lose your focus, that doubt will begin to creep up in your life. And listen, doubt is the killer of your faith. Doubt will rob you of your faith, ladies and gentlemen. A good example is when you come for prayer and we anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And we pray and we believe that God's healing you. 
and you go back to your seat and you get up the next morning and you still got pain in your knee and you're walking down the street and you're hobbling and somebody says, what's going on with you? I got a messed up knee. When you should say, well, my healing hadn't come yet. God did it yesterday. It just hadn't got to me yet. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to move on. Doubt will always lead you to failure. All right? Will always lead you to failure. But here's what I want to close with, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to change order. Here's what I, I believe, ladies and gentlemen, and I believe that God is speaking this. I believe this is a word to some of us here today, maybe all of us here today, what Jesus did in this story. I began to pray about this, and I said, God, what are you trying to tell me? And I believe that Jesus began to speak to my heart. Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart, and he said this to me. He said, I exposed a crack in Peter's armor. Not to destroy him then. But I exposed a crack in his armor that if he didn't fix it, it was going to hurt him down the road. So it doesn't matter how bad you think you are, Peter. When Jesus exposes a crack in your armor and you refuse to fix it. I'm going to write that one down because I don't want to forget it. Actually, I'm turning the air down. I've already got it written down. I wrote it down the other day, but it is hot in here. But now catch this. Catch this. You remember the story when Jesus in, in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus looked at Simon Peter and he said, Simon, Simon, he said, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your, what? Your faith fail not. And then he went on to say, when you're converted, go and strengthen your brethren. Could it be and is it possible that Peter, that night on the water, when Jesus looked at him and said, oh, thou little faith, Wherefore did you doubt? Could it be that what Jesus did was Jesus recognized something in Peter's life because Jesus knew there goes a water walker. Jesus knew there goes one that is going to walk in the supernatural. There goes one that is going to overcome the things of the natural and he's going to walk in the supernatural anointing. 
There goes, there goes one that, is, that, that sooner or later in his life, he's gonna make a decision that when he makes that decision, there is no demon nor, nor devil of darkness that will be able to shut him down. And Jesus recognized, you see, it sometimes takes God years to get us at the lowest place in on earth in the lowest body of water on earth to teach us something listen peter uh, god put him in this lake that he was familiar with in a place that he was familiar with in a boat that he knew every inch of it probably but god put him in that place to teach him something that even peter himself did not know about himself And I couldn't help but think about when Peter denied Christ the third time that he said, I don't know this man. And the cock, the rooster crowed. What happened? The Bible says this, that Jesus, at the sound of this rooster, Jesus turned and looked at Peter eyeball to eyeball. Might be possible that what Jesus was saying there is I am restoring the gaze that you lost. I am restoring the gaze, Peter that you lost that night on the lake. But I'm wanting you to know, son, that all is not lost. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Think about that. Some of y'all think, well, I've gone too far. You ain't gone too far. You might say, well, I've lost the battle, Pastor. You hadn't lost the battle. You might say, I'll never get back to that place. I wonder if perhaps Peter that night got back home and laid down in bed and said, Lord, if I just had one more opportunity, if I just had one more opportunity to prove myself and to show myself to Jesus if I just had one more opportunity. But I believe this, I believe that Peter missed the message that Jesus was giving him that night on the lake. And so therefore there had to be another one that would get across the message that Jesus was trying to get into Peter. And so he restored that gaze. I believe today, ladies and gentlemen, if you will, just stand with me, please. Some of you guys, if you don't mind, can you get the table and, and put it in the middle? Brother Brian, Sister Kathy, Brother Jack, Sister Eula, if you guys will go ahead and get in position. You see, when I talk about 
I believe that Jesus restored the gaze because it's quite clear in that story that Peter lost focus when he took his eyes off of Jesus. And I believe this morning that there are people that are standing here today. And I don't mean to depress you, and I don't mean anything but I'm here to help you today because I love you. I'm here to help you, sir, because I love you. I, I might not know you, but I love you. I'm compelled to love. And I'm compelled to tell you the truth. And I want to tell you this morning that you might be here today and you might made a made a, a step. Maybe even you stepped out of the boat, but you stopped. And the storm is, is drowning you. You're being drowned by the very thing that God wants to wants you to walk on. You're being destroyed by the very thing that God is saying, if you will just restore the gaze. That was all that Peter had to do. It was all. He didn't, he didn't have to go through all the, the, the raise one hand, hold one foot up and and tickle one ear and do all that and it'll work. He didn't have to go through all that. All that Peter had to do was restore his gaze. It's like a husband and wife that, that their marriage begins to fall apart. Sir, it'll happen when you quit looking at your wife with love and honor. Because when you quit looking at your wife with love and honor and devotion, if you're not careful, you'll start looking at somebody that you don't need to be looking at. And Jesus is saying this morning, there's some Peters in this house that all you've got to do is realize you regain your focus. Start looking at me. Peter, don't wait until it's almost cost you everything in your life before you start looking at me. Can I tell you how close Peter came to losing everything? Judas denied Christ or, or, or betrayed Christ. One time, He hung himself. He committed suicide and took his own life. Peter denied Jesus three times. Not just one time. Not just two times. But three times Peter said, I don't know him. But yet Jesus still looked at Peter. I got to stop. Do you understand this morning that God is saying, it's not really so much about the storm. It's not really so much about the boat. It's about walking on the water. Jesus was saying, Peter, I want you to be a water walker. And the reason he rebuked Peter was because he lost his focus and he began to sink. 
Don't lose your focus this morning. Realize that God wants you to be a water walker.